My name is Randy. For those of you who are new here, I'm one of the elders here. Glad to be with you and uh, thankful for life, kids, children. What, a, what an awesome gift God's given us as a church, all the kiddos we have. I'm, so, I'm, I'm seriously so blessed and, and, and I, I love hearing the sound of, I really do, crying and laughter and the way kids run around. I think God is teaching us something with our kids to enjoy the life that he's given us in Christ. Sometimes we just go through life and it just seems so mundane, but there's so much to enjoy and be blessed with by God's presence. There really is. Jesus says, I came to give life and life abundantly. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm living life abundantly. And, uh, and yet God says he gives himself to us abundantly. So I, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying with that other than, man, like, yeah, I'm really thankful for this church family actually walking right in this room just seeing everybody singing, or actually they were connecting, and just I feel God's love when I walk into the presence where there's a room and, and, and God's people are there. And uh, it just does something to the soul. In fact, I recently purchased and moved into the house. I and my, uh, actually I had my first real experience of genuine Christian community many, many, many years ago. It's been bringing up all kinds of memories moving back into this house. It's actually our house now, we bought it, but we lived, me and my wife, we just got married and lived with this friends of ours for, for a season. And uh, I thought a lot about, since we've moved in, the earlier years of what it was like to enter into these deep relationships with others who loved Jesus. And at that time, I was fairly a new believer. And I have to say, out of all the hard things that happened, the letdowns, the unmet expectations, arguments, disagreements, misunderstandings, conflict the exhaustion of relationships in the midst of these real struggles, this community became the context where my theology, my understanding of God's love began to move away from concept to reality, if that makes sense. The home, I remember, became this safe and warm place to be seen and get messy and go deep with others and not be rejected but be loved. That was really powerful for me, especially if you knew my upbringing. Now, it actually took a while for me to see what God was trying to show me through his people. Because at the time, I, I was mainly learning about God's love in the safe confines of reading a book or listening to a podcast. Or maybe it was in doing really extravagant, spectacular, amazing things for God. That was like my only concept of like God's love. I didn't realize it, but I, I was someone in that community, though I knew all these things about God and his love, I was starving to be loved. In fact, I can look back now and say I was actually afraid to be loved. I don't know if you guys ever feel that. Maybe some of you guys come into a place and you feel very aware of yourself and others and it's kind of terrifying. But the relationships with people, the meals, the conversations, the hugs, the kind of pat on the backs, the squeezing the shoulders. I like to squeeze shoulders. So that's what comes to my mind. Spending just time together with one another in each other's presence, kind of meandering in each other's presence, praying together, working through our struggles, our need for Jesus in different areas of our life. God's love became a tangible expression to me. It, it became real. Even in the conflicts and struggles, I would say even more so, discerning what to do with healthy and unhealthy relationships, the need to be forgiven or to forgive others, feeling the pain of being let down or 
overlooked or feeling misunderstood or the struggle to discern how best to care for certain people, the weight of feeling someone else's burdens, their hurt, their problems, God's love became greatly needed and realized. That's how I found out God's love really does heal. It really does comfort. It really does bring discernment. It really does strengthen. It's through genuine relationships and community, especially the hard parts of relationships, that God's love actually does shine. And there really is, I I just want to say this, there's really so much we have to give away to one another just by our very presence. Because God is at work for and pouring out his affection on a people all the time. Not just individuals, a people together. And sometimes, man, I can feel so alone. And Satan, I just want to say this, he loves to isolate. He loves to make you feel alone or make you alone. And when I come around God's people, my soul can come alive. And guys, sometimes we don't even have to say anything. If I, just in your presence are seeing a smile, it's crazy how much I can feel, be filled with God's love. You ever experienced that, that warmth, just by presence? But to realize that, you have to realize you're very needy for God's love. To where you've like, you realize you got to keep going to him for it. And you got to look out for how he wants to love you through his people. That's why, honestly, you guys are here. You're needing, you're, there's a deep down desire to want to be seen, to want to be hugged, to want to be prayed for, to want to be encouraged by others. And guys, it's so easy to come to a gathering like this and believe everything is just fine. I do it a lot of times. I am just fine. But deep down, we're starving to be seen. We're starving for eye contact. We're starving for a hello. And a lot of you are starving for that and you don't know it. And some of you, you do know it. And you need it and you're longing for it and you're hurting for it. And we need each other because God has made us these amazing, though broken, channels of his love. He is the source of love and it's everlasting and he wants to bring it and pour it out through us to one another for his glory and for our good. So today we're going to talk about the importance of God's love for us as a people together. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I just, as I get started, I want to invite you guys, if you're willing, to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray it, and if you want to, quietly, you know, do it out loud, but quietly in your heart, pray this prayer with me if you, if, if you are willing and desire to do that. And it's a prayer just asking God to show us where we might be hungry for his love today that we don't know. Because if I'm honest with you, there's, there's probably areas right now for me I'm blind to like how much I need his love. But we can ask him to show us and receive it from him. So, so you can say this with me in your heart. God, I am hungry for your love. I need to be seen this morning. There's nothing I need more than to know that you see me. Forgive me, you love me, and you're with me. Please help me. Help me see the need and receive your love this morning. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being here. Last week, we kicked off the Beloved series like Tim was sharing, and the first three weeks, like he said, is kind of laying out the context for the series. 
And after this month, we're going to get into some more practical ways of how this love thing and relationship works out in community. Last week, I talked about what God's love looks like. Excuse me. I talked about what God's love that is freely given to us by God's choosing because he loves us out of his everlasting love. So we talked about this endless supply of love that God just chooses to commit himself to us, not based on who we are, but it's completely based on his endless resource of love because it's eternal, it's everlasting. And I talked about how we see that most clearly at the cross where Jesus, the Son of God, dies for his enemies for the forgiveness of our sins. And therefore, there's nothing we can give to God to get that rescuing love. And there's nothing we can do once we have it to ever lose that rescuing love. Once we're his beloved, very much dearly loved people of God, that is who we are in light of what Christ did. And because of that's who we are, we are people that need to be aware we got to keep going to God to be loved by him. And that's how God bears fruit through us. And so that's the thing we're going to be going back again and again throughout this whole series. Even as we start getting even way more practical in October, we're going to keep going back to that point because that is how this love thing in community works in the world. It's going back to his love and seeing that we are his beloved. So today, I want to focus on God's love for us as a people and how we are to love God in response to his love for us as a people. And I want to start off by saying, first, that God's love is communal. And the scriptures tell us God exists as three eternal persons in one divine nature. God the Father, Son, and Spirit all have unique roles. God is triune, and God is one, the scriptures say. God's unity, and here's what's key, is forged by a deep love for the other. An eternal, continual choosing to give oneself over to the other kind of love. So this is our triune God, and that's why when we read the scriptures and we see throughout redemptive history We see that God chooses and pours out his love on a people, not merely individuals. It's on a people. For example, you see Deuteronomy 7, 6, which we talked about last week as well. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possessions. In the New Testament, you see the same kind of language. In the New Testament, the people of God, 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is God's affections. His work is towards a people. They are his treasured possessions. Ephesians 1, 6, Paul says, God has blessed us in the beloved. Real quick right there, that word beloved that's referring to Jesus. That's God's the Father, God the Father's affirmation of his own son. He calls, when Father talks to his son Jesus, like we talked about last week, he says, you are my beloved son, you are my well-loved son, my very much loved son. And that, we are blessed now through faith in Jesus, in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. We as people are blessed in the beloved. That's why we are called beloved. 
And it says, in him, because of all that, all this awesome stuff follows. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us. And he's saying here, the same love and blessing God lavished on his son, he's lavishing on not just you, but on us. He's lavishing it on us together, non-stop, because we are blessed. We together are blessed in the beloved. And then we as a people, he goes on, Ephesians goes on, he says, we're treated as God's very own bride. He takes the husband and wife relationship, and he says, that's just an analogy of something deeper, deeper. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, they, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. That's wedding language here. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she, us, might be holy and without blemish. God has made us together here those who have faith in Jesus, his beloved bride, his church. His church is presented to God in splendor, without blemish, because Jesus gave himself up for her, for us. You ever look at one another, a brother or sister in Christ, a group of believers like here in this room, like in this gathering right now, and thought, wow, God's love is lavished on them. On him, on her, on us right now. Wow. She, he, part of the bride of Christ, spotless before God. You ever look around? You look around. Look, look at each other, brothers and sisters here. You ever think, wow, God's love is lavished on you. On you. I'm making, I try to make eye contact with some of you guys are staring away. The eye contact gets awkward. But on you. There you go. We got... It's amazing when you start thinking about it that way. Like, like, seriously. Now, I mean, even think about it for the person maybe you struggle with that is a brother or sister. Maybe the person you can't stand to be around with at times or maybe can be hurtful to you even to be around. I think about God's love is lavished on them, on even that brother or sister. Wow. It's just, it's just overflowing. God's grace and love is lavished on us. And now when we think about that, there's some pretty major implications here. When we realize God pours out his love through faith in Jesus, not just on you singular or me, but on us, it's, it's, it gets pretty profound. For instance, if you completely... Oh, baby, you need my water. Sorry about that. If you completely step out of community, or you step away from the church, it's hard to be loved by God. If you are only pursuing love, God's love, in mainly individual ways, you have your podcast you listen to, you have a friend here or there you connect with sparingly, but there, there isn't much vulnerability. And, but for, and for the most part, your relationship with God is very individual. You're walking away from the enjoyment of God's triune love in genuine community that he made you for. In fact, you are also not loving God in a key way. He's calling you to love him. Jesus was asked what was the most important command, and he said, 
It's to love God and love others. And the point of that that's so easily missed is if you're trying to figure out which one comes first, you're asking the wrong question. If you love God, you're going to love others. That's how that works. And then you just read through the scriptures. We talked about some of them last week, but they're just endless about how much we are to love the people of God because of God's love for us. So the questions, do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Are similar to asking the question, do you love his beloved bride? Do you love the church? Because God loves his bride. He loves his bride. If you really want to get to know me, for example, and you really want to love me in deep ways and really get to know me, you must get to know and love my wife. If you don't want anything to do with her, my wife, and you can't really expect much from having any kind of deep relationship with me. You just can't. She's a part of me. You can't separate those if you want to go deep. Now, maybe my wife hurt you. Maybe she wronged you. Maybe there's some real wounds that you received by my wife. We're all speaking metaphorically here. My wife doesn't hurt anybody. But that's real. And I want to validate that. But don't give up on the relationship. Because she's a part of me. Let's work through it. Yes, the church, she's messy and broken. But guys, she belongs to him. She's his beautiful, his beautiful beloved bride whom he loved and cleansed with his own blood. If you don't love God's bride, you're missing a major aspect of God's relationship with you that he wants and that he made you for. And I I want to say this too. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God in this. And it's amazing how God, in his economy, he can love you. You are his beloved. And there is a thousand things he's delighted in about you. And you can grieve him in certain things you choose to do. Just like with my son who hits his little brother, in the face. I'm not really happy in that moment. I'm very grieved that he would do that to his little brother. It breaks my heart. But I can also spout off 50 things I'm so proud of my son about and delighted in about and just ridiculously in love with him about. I'm, I love my son. I didn't change that. But man, I'm grieved he did that. You can grieve God. But, but, but here's the, the big point. You need, we need the people of God. We need each other. This isn't a guilt trip. If you're hearing it this way, you're hearing it wrong. We were made to be seen, to be impacted by smiles and hugs and brotherly touches and sisterly touches and encouragements. We were made to channel in the unfathomable, like the reality of God's love through touches and hugs and words of encouragement through one another. We need each other. God designed it that way. It's brilliantly simple. The way God wants to bring healing and transformation to our lives. We need it. You need the community of Jesus' people. You're starving for it. And God made you to grow in him through it. I've been both greatly hurt and greatly loved by the church. 
but why I'm in this role, why I'm still in love with this bride, even here, or the church, the answer is not based on her. It's not based on the church. It's not based on you, because if it was, I would not do this anymore. I promise you that. I would have left a long time ago. And you would have left a long time ago. (laughs) This relationship, it is so painful. It is so hard. If it's based on getting something from you, I'm done. I'm done. And the laughter is there because you know it, man. Like, that's, we feel that. It's so hard. Yeah, it's not based on the church. It's not based on what she does for me. It's not based on what she can give back to me but on him who gave his life for her. That's who it's based on. And it has to. We can't do it without God. And that's the amazing word of encouragement for us this morning. In God's family and community, real genuine relationships can actually happen because we as God's people have God. And he set his affection on us. And it wasn't because we did a good job on loving. It's because he's perfect at loving. We can't lose it, man. Like, we have hope. We have encouragement. It's based on him and his love. Not you, not me, thank you, God. It's based on him. Our source of love must come from him because it's endless. It comes from, it has to come from something outside of us. We need to be loved by God continually to have true, genuine, loving relationships with people that have the same love source. And that is supposed to get the world's attention. Talk about that next week. But that doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Like I said, the Bible shows God's people lived a life of strained relationships in God's beloved family. And I don't know about you, but that phrase, misery loves company, I love reading the Bible because of that phrase. (laughs) Because you see in the scriptures, man, the oppression, the division, the greed, the abuse of authority and partiality, it's all in the Bible among the beloved people of God. It's a mess. God's closest friends leading those groups are a mess in that. Abraham, Moses, David, they suffered family strife. They serve people who turned against them, just like we went through the Psalm series just recently. King David's close friends, even his own son, had this massive rebellion of his own people trying to kill David. In the New Testament, you see in many of Paul's letters, he's writing to deal with various relational issues in these newly formed church communities he founded. Paul would form these Jesus communities, and then he would leave shortly after that to start new ones. That's just the way God gifted him and the way he was working him in that time and season. And that's why there was so much strife and struggle in these communities. You have these newly formed groups of new, uh, these people new to God's love and following Jesus, and they're, they're pretty much babies in the faith, babies to understanding God's love and how relationship works in deep ways. And their main spiritual development plan from Paul, who charged them while he was saying goodbye, <laughs> was press into deep relationships with one another and trust in Jesus' abiding love by God's Spirit. And the idea I get in my mind is if I grab my seven-year-old, my five-year-old, my four-year-old, and my two-year-old, real kids in my life right now, and I put them in my house and I say, all right, guys, 
go deep in relationship, God be with you, I'll check back in a year. That's the idea you get with these communities, spiritually speaking. They're so young in the faith. So young to like, what, what, how do you go deep with these relationships? A lot like us. A lot like me, man. Over the years, I was a captain in Ranger Battalion. I thought I knew my stuff inside and out. I had the respect of many people. When I got into deep relationships, I realized I was a little boy. And I'm not saying that to be condescending. I'm just being honest. I'm talking about spiritually. I didn't understand the dynamic of relationship. It's really hard. It's scary to be vulnerable. So you got Paul just starting these groups, man, saying, you got Jesus. <laughs> Trust in the spirit, and, and, and let's, let's go after this. And you saw a lot of mess. That's why you see a lot of these letters dealing with these relational issues. But you see also this amazing movement of God. The gospel, over time, it moves. It builds up. It brings life. It carries. It changes. It transforms. Because God's abiding presence isn't a concept. It is a reality. It comes into our hearts. It is with us. He is at work healing, forgiving, relating, and teaching us how to trust in him in our brokenness and messiness. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died. These babies in the faith, like that, we kept going to Jesus for his love. It wasn't going to Jesus for his love. wasn't like that's the beginning of my walk. It was the walk. Needy for God's love so that I understand how to be loved by God so that I can receive love from others and give love to others, which is a massive deal, which is kingdom-moving deal. Do we know how to be loved by God as a church family together? Do we know how to be loved by God? Do we know how to be led by his love and listen to his spirit at work within us? Abide in his love. Let me, let me put it in, in, in these kind of ways. Is it God's love, is it God's spirit prompting you to prioritize spending time gathering with God's people? Like Sunday morning, missional community meetings, this beloved discussion group, we're saying, hey, go do this. Is it God's love prompting you? Is it the Spirit saying, yeah, let's do this? Is it God's love? Is it His Spirit prompting you to make it a priority to regularly have meals with brothers and sisters in your family, to commit yourself to getting to know people who are very different than you? Is it God's love? Is it his spirit prompting you to engage in that kind of messiness? Is it God's love? Is it his spirit prompting you to spend time coordinating meals, finding babysitters for the sake of spending time greeting one another, singing and praying together with your community? Is, that, is it God's love? Is it his spirit prompting you, leading you in that? Is it God's love? Is it the Spirit prompting you to fight for reconciliation, to learn to endure certain relationships that are very hard and maybe even exhausting at times? Is it His love that's keeping you in the game that you know how to go back to? How about following and trusting leadership that isn't perfect? Because none of us are. Thank God. Jesus is a senior pastor. 
but do you know how to go to the senior pastor for his love and his spirit when you've got to trust leadership? Or in serving this church family, is it his love? Is his spirit prompting you in that? And some of you might ask, what, is, what does that look like? How do you know whether it's God's love or not? And some of you, guys, it's learning through trial and error. you got the scriptures, you got community, and you're going to make mistakes. i got no other way. I mean, I know it's like not the awesome silver bullet answer, but guys, like, I mean, look at these communities that Paul started in the letters he was writing. I mean, that's how they learned, failing, being hurt. But some questions you can ask yourself, do you feel pressure that you will not be accepted if you don't do it? These are some questions you can ask yourself if, you're not, if it's not being motivated by God's love. Does it feel like it's drudgery and you never have just any joy in it? Does it feel like you are just going through the motions and you're checking the box? You're just doing what Randy or whatever some leader said? Just got to do it because he said so. Or does it feel exhausting in a really unhealthy way? Like it's just completely life-depleting. And, and, and maybe you're in a season, season right now where the thought of any of these kind of intentional relationships just seems overwhelming. And I just want to say to you, don't just do it because you feel like you just, you're supposed to. Does that make sense? That just leads to burnout. Guys, we're a beloved community here, loved by God, not by what we do, but who he is. And he's actually here with us. We can really process with him and be led by him. And if you don't know what that looks like, what I don't want to do is give you an easy shortcut way out of that. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, that's where we got to go then. Does it feel like, if it, I mean, if it feels like any of those things are happening, what I would say, we got to press in with God together. We got to press in with God and where you're at, how you're feeling, what season you're in. Because the main goal in this, if we want to get main, main goal, isn't to get everybody into groups, it's that you would know the abiding love of God in all of life. Because that is what keeps you in the game. That's what gets you excited about giving yourself over and over again. And there's because there's going to be suffering and discomfort and pain. We can't avoid that. Jesus says, you will lose your life to find it. Jesus says, count the cost. He's the master I serve. He's who I follow. So I'm not going to shortcut what he says. It's going to be hard. There's going to be suffering. But he says, I promise I will be with you. And that's what we got to do. We got to learn how to do it with him. Because we find out when we give ourselves, it's actually life at the other end. And it costs us to give ourselves to one another. And it's scary. But Jesus says, I will give you life. I will give you life, but we got to know how to go to him. And what's really amazing is God's compassion in it because he's the one, the father and the son. Father gave his only son, and Jesus willingly goes to the cross to pay for our sins. That's the beauty of God's love. And last week we talked about that, the propitiatory work of Jesus means Jesus went to the cross and he suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. And some people get confused by that because they're like, wow, God seems really mean. Why would he do that to his own son even if he did it for us? But what we miss when we get confused with that is that it wasn't just the father sent the son, but it's that the son willingly went to the cross. And so what you get is this unbelievable truth 
that God would go to that extent, the Father and the Son, to give his life to his enemies so that we would get what Jesus has, be his beloved. And that is the love, my friends, that God wants us to soak in every waking moment so that we see it is a wonderful thing to give ourselves away because we can't ever lose what we have in Christ. And you realize that the more you give yourself away. But it has to be his promptings and leadings. So what I want to do right now is close our time with spending some time listening and talking to the one who's here and wants to communicate his love to you.